0: Good evening, all. It's so good to see you all here this evening. And uh, I know a lot of people have family and lots of things going on with these graduation parties. So I appreciate you all being here on a summer Sunday evening. We're going to have fun. Open up your Bibles to the book of Acts. Now, this morning, we looked at what was it that caused the disciples to really change? What caused that transformation from cowering in the upper room for fear of the Jews to what we're going to see this evening? What caused that? Was it the resurrected Christ? Well, there's no doubt. Was it the empowering Holy Spirit? Well, of course. But when you see the way that they preach, we see it was much more than that. It required them to finally, for the first time, understand, and I wish I had made this clearer this morning, what they already knew. They already knew the Old Testament, but they didn't understand it until Jesus opened their understanding. And that needs to be our prayer. Lord, open our understanding so that we can understand the Bible. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Lord, we love you. Thank you for Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for these faithful people, these faithful workers being here Father, I pray that it's a blessing to them to study your word, but more than anything that we bring glory to you by exalting your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So look at Acts chapter one. So remember what we have said. You have the resurrection. The disciples are still discouraged. Jesus appears to them and he starts to explain the Old Testament to them. And now they understood, you, you didn't, you didn't know. The Bible says I'm going to die. The Old Testament says, "I'm going to rise from the dead." The Bible taught all of those things. Now they understand it, and look at what they do immediately. Uh, look at chapter one, Acts chapter one. Look at verse fifteen. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, "The number of names together were about 120." Oh, here, okay, I gotta. I haven't said this in a long time. Here, I don't know if I've said it here. I've. When you preach the places that I preach, I can't remember where I say what, okay? But this is a really cool thing. You ready for this? Jesus and his apostles. How many of you think that would be a pretty good ministry team? Think about how things have changed. We have a larger congregation every week than Jesus had gathered. How crazy is that? Now, is that diminishing what Jesus did? No, he did it exactly the way that he wanted to. What he had done was he had gathered a core of men and a core of people to get ready for the explosion that was going to take place in the book of Acts. You have to have trained workers. You have to have trained, dedicated, empowered people to do the work of God. That is the ministry. And so when Jesus Christ, in John 17, 4, he said, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. It's interesting in MacArthur's commentary, he has that as Jesus finishing his work of redemption. It's interesting how MacArthur messed that up. And I want to go, na 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 I know something, MacArthur did not know. But anyway, <laughs> it was kind of a halfway this. My arms didn't quite, that's what I was trying to do, you, this. Okay. So MacArthur kind of missed that. But Jesus said, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. His men were ready. Well, in what way? He had given them all the information. You ready for this, though? They didn't understand it yet, though. They didn't know what they had. And I remember I was talking to John Getch out at West Coast Baptist College one time. He had preached a sermon. And Getch has the whole New Testament memorized and most of the Old Testament. And so he had preached this sermon that's nothing but Scripture. And he doesn't say anything that's not quoting Scripture. It was really cool. So I went up and talked to him. And he was very kind, but he said something. Well, you know more Scripture than you think you do. You know more scripture than you think you do, and all of you know more scripture than you think you do. And isn't it interesting how God will bring to your remembrance a passage of scripture while you're talking to somebody, while you're ministering, while I'm preaching, the Lord will bring a a thought to you, and you'll make a note in your Bible, or you'll look up another passage that I'm not even talking about while I'm preaching. That's what God does. So this 120, he had gathered... I'm actually starting to preach Acts before I'm ready. Okay, let's, you guys don't make me do that. But let's go back. Verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning... Who? What does he start to do among the among the hundred and twenty that were gathered together? Don't be discouraged about Judas. But then look at what he says. Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus, for he was numbered with us, and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. That's gross. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in their proper tongue, Akkadema, that is to say, the field of blood. Now look at what this says. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. So keep your place here in Acts, put your ribbon there, and go to Psalm 69. Now, remember what's happened. All of a sudden, they have understanding. Psalm 69, and look at verse 25. Let their habitation be desolate, and let none dwell in their tents. So, Peter, doesn't that sound like a verse that Peter would know? That's interesting. And yet, now he knows it's talking about Judas. Look at Psalm 109. This is my passage for Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden. Psalm 109, look at verse 8. Let his days be few and another take his office. Let his days be few and another take his office. That's Psalm 109 and verse 8. Now, it's interesting that Peter all of the sudden understood, hey, that's about Judas. When did he learn that? When he started to understand that those things in the Old Testament, those were actual prophecies about what was going to happen. And they missed it. But they don't miss it anymore. How long is this after the ascension? That day. Immediately. This is the Feast of Pentecost. So, what, 10 days later? Feast of Pentecost is, what, 50 days after? Jesus is walking around after his resurrection, 40 days? So, this is a week. I mean, it's very, very soon after the... Um, oh, actually, I'm sorry. This is the, the, right before Pentecost. But um, he is um, almost immediately beginning to teach. So, go back to Acts. Look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 15. So, this is his message at Pentecost. Obviously, the message before was when he was with the 120. So look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 15. For these, verse 14 for the context, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, And he goes on to quote the book of Joel, Joel 2, 28 through 32. So how is it that all of the sudden, again, this is really quick. Here's Peter not understanding the Lord's plan, not understanding that Jesus was going to die. As a matter of fact, fighting against the idea that Jesus was going to die. This is what was going on. Are you all with me on this? And now all of a sudden he's an Old Testament scholar. What happened? He finally understood it. He knew it, but now he understood it. In our Sunday school hour this morning, I had a question, and I started going through the Scriptures and explaining some things, and um, I had somebody come up to me and tell me that, after all this time, I get it now. I get it now. That's what Bible study is supposed to do. The Bible informs us of what the Bible says. So there in Acts 2, look at verse 34 again. And we're not going to Joel for a reason. We're going to spend some time on that, some significant time when we go through the text. So look at verse 34, chapter 2 and verse 34. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. So now look with me at Psalm 110. Of course, keep keep Acts because we're going to be going back and forth. But Psalm 110, my plan had been to get to this this in the morning service, but y'all didn't listen fast enough. Look at Psalm 110 and verse 1. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. You see, Peter finally understood this because Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. He didn't understand it. But there it is. It's right there. He knew the passage. There was a very familiar passage in the Jewish liturgy. He understood it in the Jewish lexicon. He had it, but he didn't understand it. This is what happens when you understand the Bible for the first time. Look at Acts chapter 3 and verse 22. So you think, man, these guys were great in the Psalms and they were. But look at verse 23, and it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear, uh, look at verse 22, for we're in Acts chapter 3 and verse 22, for Moses truly said unto the fathers, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me, him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you, so keep your place in Acts and go to Deuteronomy chapter 18. You remember what had Jesus done? He taught them in all things of himself, from the law, the Psalms, and the prophets. So Deuteronomy chapter 18. I wonder, you know, I said all of a sudden, you know, Peter knew these things. I wonder if this is some of the stuff Jesus taught him there. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? Deuteronomy chapter 18. And look at verse 15. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. And so Peter is saying this is about Jesus. Go back, keep your place here in Deuteronomy. Go back to Acts. Peter makes several references to that passage of Scripture. So in Acts chapter 3, now look at verse 23. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. So go back to Deuteronomy chapter 18 and look at verse 19. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. I will require it of him. So the the way that he quotes it is so interesting. In the book of Psalms, I'm sorry, in the book of Acts, it says he'll be destroyed. In Deuteronomy, it says he'll be required. And that's exactly how the Holy Spirit wanted them to say it in the New Testament. But that is the reference that they're making back to the Old Testament. Look at Acts chapter 3, and now look at verse 25. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. That's Genesis chapter 22 and verse 18. Look at Acts chapter 4 and verse 11. This is the stone which was set at naught of the builders, which has become the head of the corner. And when we preach through this text, we'll go through all the different places. The Bible says that many times, but go to Psalm 118. Verse 22, Psalm 118, verse 22, The stone which the builders refused has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. So Peter is saying, this is the stone that the builders rejected. This is the stone that the builders refused. This is the stone. This is the stone. And so what he's doing, and this is such a powerful thing, remember what Paul did he in in Acts chapter 17 he went into the synagogue and as his manner was and he reasoned with them out of the scriptures he reasoned with them out of what scriptures that would have been the Old Testament and what did he reason with that Christ must needs have suffered and died and risen from the dead the third day he reasoned with them out of the scriptures that that was going to happen what scriptures the Old Testament scriptures and so this is and, and what this did so when I say some passages to you that you're familiar with that has some power What Peter is doing is he's preaching to these Jews and he's reciting passages that they know and saying, now you know Jesus did this. Jesus did this. Judas did this. Everything that the Old Testament said about the Messiah, it's true, it has happened, and this is what's going on. So now go back to Acts chapter 4, and I want you to notice something. Acts chapter 4, and look at verse, um, why don't we start in verse 1? And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. So with their laws, they couldn't judge them then. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Remember what I said? They had about 120 people. Now, all of a sudden, 5,000 men are believing. So, remember, 5,000 men, that's about 20,000, 25,000 people immediately. Man, wouldn't that be cool in Sydney? That would be amazing. But that's what's going on now, verse 5. And it came to pass on on the morrow that the rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. Now look at what it says. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Now remember, what happened in John 20 when Jesus appears unto them? They're hiding. The doors are closed and barred for fear of the Jews. Right? For fear of the Jews. Now who's confronting them? The captain of the temple. The chief people. Look at what it says, then Peter, verse 8, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people, ye elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. Remember how he quaked? He denied Jesus before the damsel. He's not denying him anymore. Where did that boldness come from? He now knows the message. He now knows this was the plan the whole time. He now knows that this was the promise of God and that empowers him. It invigorates him. And so there in that passage is where he quotes that uh, Psalm 118. Look at verse 23 of Acts 4. So remember, they're in prison. They said, don't preach anymore. Verse 23. And being let go... They went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Now, that's, that's referenced all over the Old Testament. So, again, he's using the Bible. Verse 24, Who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. All right? So he goes on to preach about Christ, but what's he doing? Go to Psalm 2. We mentioned in the Sunday school hour this principle of dual fulfillment, principle of partial fulfillment. Look at how he stopped in this text. So he's preaching to their own people right here. Psalm 2, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. So Peter is saying, the Old Testament told us this would happen. And you know what's fun? As you can see that Peter is now not fearful. He's invigorated by it. They said this would happen. It's like in discipleship. When we prepare our disciple, we take them on a lion hunt and we say, now you need to know when we start discipleship, things are going to, the enemy is going to attack things. Bad things are going to start coming up in your life. And what's so fun about warning them. I've had people tell me that my disciple came and said, Hey, you were right. My engine blew this week or whatever. And rather than being discouraged by it, they're excited because they're moving ahead for the Lord and now Satan is attacking. But the Bible said it would. So here's what it means. The enemy doesn't discourage us. The enemy only encourages us because God promised that it was going to happen. How many of you need to be reminded of that tonight? Me too. That's exactly what we need to do. But look at where he stopped. Look at what it says in verse 4. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, The Lord shall have them in derision. Not too long ago after the election when I preached about Nancy Pelosi, cheer up, she's going to hell. And that God is going to laugh when he sends her there. People got mad. There are people that got mad at me for saying that. I don't know what God they're worshiping. What does this say? The kings of the earth set themselves. Let us break the binds. So who are our kings? We don't have kings, but who are our rulers? People like Nancy Pelosi, who set themselves against God, who set themselves against God's plan and God's people. He that sits in the heaven shall laugh. He'll have them. In, the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Sore displeasure. And he laughs at them while he's doing it. Am I making it up? Isn't that interesting? How fun is it, though, that Peter stopped there? That wasn't the message they needed to hear. The message they needed to hear was God told us this would happen. The rulers are going to set themselves against us and set themselves against Jesus. This is his plan. When we believe the Bible, when we understand what it means and what it says... That understanding gives us our boldness. I love the contrast in Peter. The difference between a week earlier, or this, I'd have to look at when chapter 4 is, but just a brief time after he had denied Christ, now he's preaching boldly. What's the difference? Was he a coward before? No, no, no. He was ready to fight an entire army by himself. No, no. He's not a coward. He didn't understand. He was discouraged because he didn't understand. We get discouraged when we think that God's going to do something he never promised to do. We have an expectation of God because we have a misunderstanding of the Bible. Understanding the text, understanding the scriptures, not Jim Alter understanding it, but the church understanding it. That's where we're going to get our boldness. That's what keeps us from discouragement. That's what makes sure that we have the right message and we're ready to march on and serve God. Amen? That's what we are supposed to do. Let's all stand together. Lord, you're so good to us. We love you. Thank you for these faithful people being here tonight. And thank you for your word.